Costello. I'm going to New York with you. You know, Bucky Harris, the Yanks manager, gave me a job as coach for as long as you're on the team. Look, Habit, if you're the coach, you must know all the players. I certainly do. Well, you know, I, mean, I never met the guys, so you'll have to tell me their names, and then I'll know who's playing on the team. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you their names, but you know, strange it may seem, they give these ball players nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Strange names, pet names, like Dizzy Dean and... His brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. I'm their French cousin. French? Gouffet. Gouffet Dean. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, let's see. We have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find I out. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach, too? Yes. And you know the fellow's name? Oh, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who? The guy playing first. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? Yes. <laughs> Look, you got a first baseman? Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> All I'm trying to find out is the fellow's name on first base. Who? The guy that gets the That's money. That's it. Who gets the money on he first base? He does, every dollar. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Who's wife? Yes. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Look, what I want to know is when you sign up the first baseman, how does he sign his name to the Who? contract? The guy. Who? How does he sign his That's name? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. <laughs> All I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't change the players. Though. I'm not changing nobody. Take it easy, buddy. I'm only asking you who's the guy on first base? That's right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Name on first no, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Oh, he's on third. We're not talking about him. Now, let's <laughs> now, how did I get on third base? Why, you mentioned his name. If I mentioned a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. <laughs> Now, who's playing third base? Why do you insist on putting who on third base? What am I putting on third? Oh, what is on second? You don't want who on second? Who is on first? I don't know. Third, third base? <laughs> Look, you got outfield? Sure. The left fielder's name. Why? I just thought I'd ask. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Then tell me who's... Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to today's podcast, uh, Life in Baseball, a Life in General. My name is Rich Martin, and uh, this is our 20th um, inning. 20 innings, which means 20 episodes. Today's Memorial Day. I wanted to take a second. My dad didn't uh, pass away in uh, World War II, but he did serve along with my uncle. My uncle served in the Pacific Theater um, and fought against the Japanese and my dad was an in, infant, infantryman and uh, fought in Europe. Uh, during, he was there for three, three and a half years. We never discussed, he would never discuss, neither would my uncle discuss their, um, their uh, war stories. It was just something that um, was, was very dark, except one day uh, I did ask him, you know, because... Uh, um, he was drafted, but he was about to volunteer. I said, why would you volunteer? Uh, I mean, it was World War II, the Germans, you know, and such. And he said, because I didn't want you to have to go to war, which was um, pretty noble of him. He was a real good guy. And um, as it turned out, the Vietnamese, uh, the Vietnam War um, came around when, the, when I was of age, <clears throat> and I was uh, classified first as 2S, which meant I was a student. And then they uh, threw that away, and they had a lottery. And um, 
my birthday came up um, about 250th um, it was picked and so um, I never got got called um, which I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with the war because <clears throat> I wasn't hysterical over it um, but Memorial Day um, is really for the um, members of the armed forces who passed away in war veterans days for all the veterans but I still like to honor my dad and my uncle uh, for serving my dad got uh, shot in the uh, leg um, by a, uh, a German MP uh, from what I understand and um, we have a very um, a very um, special souvenir from the war the uh, the MP's uh, German pistol um, that uh, he used uh, I won't go into the details of uh, of how he got it but he got it legally uh, home you know he had to have it go past uh, go past inspections and such or go past inspections I guess and um, and so that's a, um, a family heirloom that we uh, treasure um, <clears throat> so um, it was um, a crazy time of course it was supposed to be the war to end all wars uh, as you know that was actually World War one but then they said it again in World War two so um, again uh, uh, I honor them uh, my family members and those across the country and the world on this uh, Memorial Day who passed and sacrificed their lives so that we can live in this um, great freedom which is uh, starting to collapse around us in my opinion but um, I don't want to get political because that would be a home of the show uh, I am excited though to um, mention that we are beginning our Metropolitan Collegiate Baseball League season this coming Wednesday, June 1st, and um, the Overpeck Creek Monsters will uh, once again fight for the, uh, the MCBL Championship, and I'm very excited about the team. I have some great guys. I have, of course, uh, Vic Rosario, Zuki, helping me when he can, um, coaching third and helping the infielders and hitters. And um, longtime assistant Anthony Verdi, uh, who played for me at um, at uh, Ramapo uh, on the first team I coached there in 2001, and has been my assistant on and off, depending on when I had a job and when he could be my assistant. And uh, he'll handle the pitchers, and uh, we're excited. We have a, a great bunch of guys. Uh, Nikki Wellen came back. <coughs> Nikki's uh, uh, has a problem with his arm, but he's working on it. And uh, lefty, a little lefty hitting, uh, in middle infielder, runs very well. He's excellent. Um, Justin Ayala um, plays Alvernia, and um, he plays all uh, three infield positions. A good hitter, and he knows the game. And and uh, he's being um, uh, blessed with another year because of the COVID uh, situation which a lot of these college guys um, uh, are involved with. Um, Eric Roberts uh, from Keystone is back. Um, he was one of our leaders last year. He plays first base. He wants to pitch a little bit. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what that's all about. But uh, 
It looks like we're having a problem with our pitching staff. We drafted a lot of pitchers, but um, they don't seem to be working out. A couple of guys had to leave. Some people had other commitments. Um, you know, one thing I'm not thrilled about with the college league, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a control freak for sure. And when I was coaching college baseball, um, you know, <laughs> there really wasn't much that I wasn't on top of. I just felt that I had to control everything. And um, we were successful, so I guess it worked to a degree. But, of course, at great cost to me because uh, I had my fingers in every pie, you know, and sometimes they don't come out tasting too well. Um, but um, here in the college summer league, we have um, <clears throat> kids from all over the country playing, and it's an interesting concept. Most of the kids live in this area, but have traveled across the country, and I, I, I want to say that the state of college baseball, as I'm seeing it, now I'm not, I don't have guys on the team that are, you know, from, uh, from uh, Texas or uh, Georgia Tech or uh, Vanderbilt, you know, but I do have uh, all college players and some high school players, and I don't know who's doing the coaching out there, but it is pretty frightening. Uh, these kids don't know the basics, don't understand the basics. Uh, they weren't brought up in baseball like we were. We played every day. So, um, and I saw the greatest thing. I, I don't know. This this is this sort of sums it up. I saw a commercial for virtual reality hitting. You don't go to a coach. You don't go to a. You don't even go outside. You get the bat that they provide. And you put on the goggles, you know, the VR goggles, and you swing against a, um, you know, a, a ball being pitched to you in this virtual reality. It has depth, you know, it has 3D. Could that work? I mean, I don't understand. I mean, now they're playing baseball in a in a three foot area. I, I I don't I don't know if it's possible. Maybe it'll work. I I don't I don't know enough about it. But it is, it is a frightening concept. And here's this, this uh, young fella who's swinging his butt off, hitting these line drives and ground balls, and there's no ball, there's no real bat, there's no real pitcher, there's no real field, there's not even any real sun. He's doing it in his living room. Could it be? I, 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 I'd have to see a lot more for it to convince me. But anyway, these uh, college kids uh, and... Uh, a small group of high school seniors are coming in, and they really don't know the first thing, um, which is not their fault. I mean, obviously, I'm sure they know how to uh, how to run a, a computer and go on TikTok and go on Instagram and Twitter and such. I'm just learning how to do some of that stuff. Um, you know, I, I thought I was pretty cool being able to get on Facebook. <clears throat> now they're telling me Facebook is old news. And I'll tell you another thing with these kids. Uh, they drive me crazy. This attitude when you send a text. that it, I thought a text was a, met, was a method of communication. But a text isn't because they don't answer. They answer when they feel like it. So if I text something out at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, if I get a response at all, it might be that night, the next day, two days later, or not at all. It's like optional whether you want to... Uh, you know, be involved in this conversation. And it drives me out of my mind. Of course, emails, I, I, I try to, 
I don't know. I guess they do everything by Twitter and Instagram, which I'm going to have to become more versed at. Because, uh, but anyway, um, who else? Eric B- Bittiger, who uh, plays at Nyack. Um, he's on the team. He's had some trouble with his uh, shoulder as well. He's an outstanding outfielder. And, and here's a poor kid who really is a good player. He's very athletic, uh, an outstanding outfielder, and he's got a great swing. And he's not doing well in school, and it is 1,000% not his fault. And it breaks my heart. You know, there's a lot to be said when you get a college program and the college itself doesn't have enough respect for their student-athletes, enough respect for their department, enough respect for themselves, that they don't go out and get the, the best candidate or the best coach that they can get. I mean, it's a disgrace. I mean, um, this poor kid who was an excellent, an excellent student and an excellent player is, is, doesn't do well because he has no motivation, they don't win any games, and he has no coaching. He has no spirit. He has no, I I mean, you have to have a program where people are proud to come to every day. Baseball is a tremendous lore and and the greatest game in the world. But you don't want to lose every day. You don't want to strike out every day. I mean, baseball is about doing the best you can. And then if you do well enough, being successful, whether it be in a bat or a play or a game or a series, or a season, but but not to have any motivation, not to have players around you who, who are interested. It's a great disservice. It's it's the ultimate disservice to to student athletes and more importantly young men who are going to be turned off. What a disgrace! I'm so proud of the fact that to this day I get emails and texts and letters and even physical letters from guys who played for me who um, not only thank me for what I did, but the idea of, of being thankful for their teammates and how they still get along and how that culture still survives. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. The same thing happened when I, when I was at Hofstra because we were successful after we left. It was terrible. And lo and behold... Um, I found out yesterday that Hofstra, who I think has a winning season in 100 years since I left. Um, and, and again, the reason that we do, we do well, and I, I'm going to lay it out there, is not necessarily, it has a lot to do with a lot of different things, but the main reason is that I'm a, I'm a nudge. I, I'm, I'm very, very, you know, I, I, I'm very obstinate, you know. I, I, I have a job to do. You've hired me to do this job. You know, you've, you've thrown the crap at me that you're going to support me and this and that, when in reality, you could care less. And that goes for most uh, uh, high school and college sports. And then when I push to, to get the job done, I become unpopular, and I become a burden. And that's why, um, but we, we were successful in those instances. Hofstra was a terrible situation because they didn't support us. They didn't give us any money. And there were Division One. When I took over at Hofstra, it was the worst Division One program in the United States. It was. It was a disgrace. And we wound up winning a couple of championships, going to the regionals, and um, it, it was great. But anyway, um, I found out yesterday that Hofstra won the Colonial League, uh, which is an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament, which I'm, I'm so happy for them 
And I, I, but I'm not happy for the school. I'm not happy for. I'm happy for the kids. They're the ones that put all the work in. They're the ones that that struggle. There's nothing greater than being a, a student athlete. And there's nothing more difficult. You have to be strong and and you have to be bright, and you have to balance your schoolwork with with a, a, athletics, and you have to worry about your mom and dad and girlfriend, and you have to make sure you visit your grandparents. And on and on and on and on. It, it, uh, you know, many coaches have, have said, including myself, that baseball is a mirror of life. And it is. It is because you fail and you have to bounce back. What happens when you fail in life? You give up? Absolutely not. You just keep shaking yourself off and getting up. You, you fail seven times, as a great uh, player said, and you wind up at least getting up eight times. So, I mean, um, it's a real bad situation. And uh, I don't know if it's going to get any better, especially in the, in the climate uh, today. Um, we have uh, Aiden uh, Bruziu came back. Aiden was a pitcher last year, and um, he wants to play third base. We saw him at our uh, workout last week. He looked good in the infield. He looked good. He looked athletic. Um, he, looked, he looked good at third. And then we got a couple of guys from... Um, uh, from TCNJ, which is a great program coached by Dean Glaus. Um, we've beaten them in the last inning, and and they certainly have beaten us in the last inning. So a lot of great uh, wars with uh, TCNJ. Um, Mike Silva's a lefty pitcher. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get all the names right, but uh, I'll try. And um, Zach uh, Hotchheiser, I believe. As an infielder, um, let me see who else is is coming back. Uh, well, we have a kid. We have a kid named Harry Romano, who was the greatest thing of all time. So, so I intru- I introduced myself. I meet all the kids, and there's this, this Asian kid. I mean, you know, the face of uh, of uh, the Korea- Korean Peninsula, you know, on his face. God bless him, you know. And uh, he comes over and says, "And who are you?" And I don't know if he's going to speak with a dialect. I have no idea. And he says, I'm Harry Romano. Harry Romano? I said, let's call a timeout on that. I said, how did we get Harry Romano? And then he told me that he'd been adopted, which is so wonderful. And his, his brothers, I believe, or his siblings were adopted as well. And I said, well, where are you from originally? He said, from South Korea. And I said, well, listen, that's great because I got my radio, excuse me, my telephone isn't working properly. Maybe you could look at it. It's a Samsung. Well, a couple of the guys were horrified. And they opened up their mouths. And I did it on purpose because I wanted to make sure that people understood that we were getting that crap out of the way right in the beginning. Now, in the old days, that's something I did all the time. Nowadays, it might be a little more sensitive. But it was done to make it clear that we're not going to be dealing with that type of stuff, that we don't care if a person is, is South Korean or Russian or gay or um, transsexual, or is that what they call tra- trans? I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, I mean, I am old. Um, but um, I wanted to make it clear that, and we all laughed, and everybody looked at me, and, and of course, Harry was the greatest. He got it right away and, and laughed. And, um, and so that's been put to bed, any type of uh, screwing around and stuff like that. We have uh, Mark Anthony... Um, uh, Batista, who's coming back. I love Mark. I think he's a great player. He's got great talent. And uh, I haven't seen him yet. He's going to 
He wants to go into the outfield. Um, wait, hold on. Give me one second, and I'll be right back. Okay, I wanted to get um, a copy of the roster so I don't miss any of the names. Um, we got a real good catcher coming in. Actually, we have two catchers that I like a lot. One's from Keystone. Um, his name is Carlos uh, Castillo. What a great baseball name, huh? Carlos Castillo. And then we have Christian Hay, um, who um, I think he goes to, I'm not sure. I think he might go to TCNJ as well. Um, we have lefty pitcher Ben Brewster, who's coming in. Um, uh, Nico uh, Log Logatidis. I hope I'm saying that right. That he's a Greek young man. I found out the other day that um, you know I did one of those ancestry tests, and I find out that I'm I'm uh, I have some uh, I'm you know of course mostly Italian, and there's a little bit of Irish, and there's a little bit of German, and there's a little bit of Greek, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Joe uh, Spacavento was supposed to be an outstanding high school outfielder. I'm looking forward to meeting him. Johnny P uh, Pilla is um, an outstanding high school infielder, and I'm looking forward to meeting him. But those guys are still playing in, uh, in championships, uh, you know, high school championships. Um, Angelo Mascolo, who uh, played last year, goes to Rutgers Newark. Uh, I love him. He knows I love him. He's a great kid. He's an excellent outfielder, but we got to get him to hit a little bit more, and I think he will this year. I'm convinced that he's going to have a, a, a better season. Um, who else am I forgetting? Um, Jack Daly um, and uh, Chris. Um, Jack Daly and Chris. Uh, Rich. Chris La. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get this name, and I'm gonna make sure I get it. Jack Daly and Chris Lamont. I got it. Chris Lamont. They're two guys that are going to uh, CCNY in the Cooney, and we're happy to have them. Chris is a first baseman outfielder, and um, the other guy is a uh, is a pitcher. Uh, Jack Noonan is come on. He's a right-handed pitcher, tall, thin. With long hair, which of course I broke his shoes about the other night. <clears throat> but uh, we're looking forward for him to throw for us. Um, I'm going to miss some guys I know. Uh, oh, Jojo Ortiz also went to Keystone. Uh, he's a lefty pitcher. He's with us. Justin uh, Michael Giano. Uh, let's see. No, I mean I'm Italian. Marco Giuliano. Marco, Marco, Marco Giuliano, Justin is a right-handed pitcher. Matt Mager is a big guy. He's a big kid. So he comes uh, to the practice and he tells me that, uh, that he can only uh, throw 20 pitches every outing. So that <laughs> that's a little difficult to deal with, you know. But it turns out that he's coming off of uh, some injuries. So we're going to try to stretch him out if we can um, and, and do better with him. Um, now, who am I missing? I'm sure I missed a couple of guys. I'm so sorry. Oh, Mike, uh, Mike Longo, who I haven't seen yet. He's a pitcher. Um, I haven't met him yet. I did speak, uh, I did text with uh, or email with his dad, who turns out to be the president of the, um, the, the 
I forget the exact name, but I believe it was Major League Stickball League. You know, growing up in Brooklyn, <clears throat> we played uh, stickball all the time. And it was how many sewers you could hit in order to, um, in order to be able to, uh, you know, um, we had, but we had a, in order to be able to, you know, hit home runs and such. Um, I mean, if anybody who played stickball um, in, in New York, this phrase, um, car, meant that we had to stop the game for a second um, because there was a car coming down the street. But we had a great twist to our field when we played on 73rd Street. Uh, and, of course, we played with a Spaldine, you know, or sometimes with a, a Pensy Pinky, I believe it was called. But we had the L. We had the elevated train line on the Utrecht Avenue. So we played towards the train line, and that was our home run. You had to hit the ball into the tracks, up the elevated, which went up about, I don't know, 50 feet maybe off the street, something like that. And that was our home run, so it was it was really cool. So um, so anyway, we're getting ready with we play uh, we play about thirty games. Everybody makes the playoffs. We have the playoffs. We we finished in third last year, um, and then we lost in the playoffs, <clears throat> which we want to correct this year if we can. But the goal is to have fun, teach them, let them understand. <clears throat> I was working with one of the catchers on his uh, swing, you know, and trying to get out of their heads this ridiculous notion that they should be hitting fly balls. I mean, it, it's, I don't know uh, what people think. I, I, Well, I do know what people think. I'll teach them something new. They'll want to do it. And, and in order for them to learn it, I'm going to charge them because everything is about money. So you get a guy like uh, J.D. Martinez from Boston who changed his swing, Justin uh, Justin Turner from the Dodgers, who changed his swing. And those guys, were, are, you know, were very successful. But I'm telling you that hitting is about velocity. If you're standing in a spot and a ball is hit easy 10 feet to your left, you'll be able to get the ball by moving quicker than the ball as you get there and throw the guy out. If you're, if you're standing... If the ball is 10 feet from you and when it's crushed, you have no chance to get the ball. It's about velocity. It's about line drives. It's about hard ground balls. It's about getting, you know, another thing that's interesting, and they teach this, is that when you're strong, you don't have to hit the ball on the button. You can hit the ball in the air when you're strong. I remember guys that played for me where they hit a fly ball and never came down. It just kept going. They were unbelievably strong. It had tremendous backspin, <clears throat> and the ball never came down. But the great majority of college and high school players haven't aren't grown up yet. They're not man, man strong yet. And so in order to get base hits, I mean, look at the field. Look at the field of play. They weren't stupid in the major leagues what they, I mean, when they invented baseball. The largest area of free space... The largest area of free space was, for 150 years, the area behind the pitcher's mound to the center fielder. That rectangle was the largest free space. To the left side, you had short and third and the left fielder. To the right side, you had first and second baseman and the right fielder. 
but the largest free area. And so baseball was made to be hit to hit the ball up the middle. You hit the ball up the middle, the ball is inside, and you can turn on it and pull it. The ball's away, you go to right field. You hit the ball where it's pitched. That's baseball. How do I know? Because there's enough wins out there that we're able to get. There's enough batting championships. There's enough All-Americans. There's enough major leaguers that played for me that I understand that this is the way to teach hitting. Not hitting a fly ball and having the outfielder who who they all fly now catch the ball and, and, and make one action to get an out as opposed to a ball crushed to the left side of an infielder who has to dive for it, catch it, has to scramble to his feet, get up and make an accurate throw, and has to have the man who he's throwing it to, first, second, or third, or even home, catch the ball cleanly, sometimes having to tag the runner. So don't tell me that fly ball. Now, you want to hit a, a line drive for a home run? That's what they turn into. So anyway, um, we're going to talk a lot about that, and we're going to talk a lot about um, the game of baseball as it comes about. But um, I-, I wanted to mention uh, Overpeck. Um, I have a lot of fun with them, and um, I hope we have a nice season. And I'm not talking about um, wins and losses. I'm talking about the number one thing that I always am interested in and I always preach. Let's give it our best shot. We're there for a couple of hours. We're there Monday nights, Wednesday nights, doubleheader Saturday. So we're there three times a week. We got nine inning game Monday, nine inning game Wednesday, and two sevens on Saturday. Let's give it our best effort, and then let's see what happens. If we give our best, we have nothing to regret. Zuki Vic Rosario, who was always coached me for hundred years, played for me. He says one of the the, the, the saddest lines or, or words of all time is "What if." What if I tried harder? What if I worked harder? What if I was able to push that defeat or that, uh, that negative feeling out of my mind and continue to be positive? What if, what if, what if? And so hopefully we'll be able to, to really have a lot of fun uh, and uh, play some baseball and enjoy the, the summer and uh, hopefully have these kids uh, do better. Uh, and so when they go back to their college teams, They'll be improved. That's all we're interested in, and and I hope to God. Um, And incidentally, there's another kid who who I was very impressed with. Doug Aday sent him to me. Nicky Avignano, um, who was an outfielder. I put him in the infield. He's a very athletic kid. He's a big horse, um, high school senior. And I expect him to do very well as you know as well. I, I'm really excited about watching him play. Um, let me see if I'm, I'm going on the list one more time. And I think I got everybody. Okay. And uh, before I go, this uh, broadcast again is um, in honor of all the uh, the great. Uh, people who sacrificed their lives so that we could do what we're doing today, play ba- play baseball, live our lives in America, and uh, especially to my dad, Lou Martin, and my uncle, Joe Santi, who um, both served in World War II, certainly were changed by it, and came back and raised families, 
and love this very much. Thanks. God bless you all, and I'll see you soon. Boston, September 30th, 1951. The Giants have done the impossible. They've defeated Boston in the last game of the season and have come from 13 and a half games back to take a half game lead over Brooklyn for the pennant. The heroes, Larry Jansen, the winning pitcher. Monty Irvin and DeRocher himself. The Giants are celebrating because over in Philadelphia, the Phillies are leading Brooklyn. And if Brooklyn loses, the Giants are in. But the Dodgers have fought back to an 8-8 tie mostly on the back, shoulders, and heart of one man, Jackie Robinson. It was Jackie Robinson's greatest day. His hitting had kept Brooklyn in the game, and then in the 11th, he had held off the Phillies with a desperate diving catch. Now in the 14th inning, two out, nobody on. Again, Brooklyn looked to Robinson. And there it was, a home run in the gathering twilight to give Brooklyn a 9-8 victory and a tie for the National League pennant but, such as baseball, that this day, a day that might have lived forever in the minds of the fans, was blotted out, forgotten, in the exciting climax that all the baseball world does remember. It was three days later, the ninth inning of the deciding game of the playoff. Brooklyn was ahead 4-1, when Lockman's double made the score 4-2, and the stage was set. A tired, tired Newcomb paused, wished his relief of Branca good luck, and walked on. Everyone was still. The first pitch was a strike. And then Bobby Thompson hit a home run that gave the Giants a 5-4 victory. Nothing more exciting had ever happened on the baseball diamond. Watch Stanky bound out to third base to congratulate Durosier. We'll see many famous finishes on this program and of many different sports. But to some, this will always be the most famous finish in all sports history.